2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. This relationship with God just was very real to me, but it was definitely something that I was very hard on myself, even though I did go through these party phases for a while. I was even just on the plane and I was sobbing and I was reading through the Bible and I'm just crying and I didn't even care. Like I didn't care what anybody thought. This episode is with Erica Yonkers and I have never met Erica Yonkers. I knew Erica before she was married and just her sweetness, her innocent heart, uh, She's just a beautiful daughter, and this episode just points that out. It just points to her heart and the transformation that has happened in it. I'm super excited for you to listen to this thing, and uh, yeah, with that all being said, listen to Erica. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is living on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light, and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new seat. It's a new king, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. Ay, got me singing like. Oh, got me singing like. So who who's old Erica, and where's old Erica from? Hmm. So... Old Erica is from Cleveland, Ohio. That is where I was born and lived for my entire life until I went to Mount Vernon Academy in um, high school. I went my sophomore year, but up until that point, I was in public school. And I was always at the same school um, and switched around friend groups and stuff like that. But yeah, grew up in Cleveland. In Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. So... (laughs) 
you grew up in the church, obviously, because you went to Mount Vernon Academy. And um, actually, I did not grow up in the church. Oh, tell me about um, it. I'm playing myself. Yeah, my parents um, are not necessarily, like, I wouldn't call them, like, devout Adventists by any means. Um, I did not grow up keeping the Sabbath, keeping um, anything, really, Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, my grandma was the real Adventist of the family, um, and the rest of my family just kind of did whatever. But my parents were always believers, um, my mom grew up Catholic, like semi-Catholic, like the kind that goes to church, you know, like on holidays, like Easter and Christmas, but doesn't really go at all other than that. Um, and when she met my dad, um, she became a Christian and my dad and mom, when they met, um, he was like at his prime, like believing and he was just on fire and he was like 20 and, then that kind of like ended, I guess, um, just because of like their friend groups and stuff. But yeah, anyways, um, when I was a kid, like we would go to like vacation Bible school in the summertime and do like the songs and stuff like that. But throughout the year, we never really um, went to church at all or kept up with it. But yeah, I guess um, my faith, a lot of it really comes from my grandma. Um, she was always just a prayer warrior, like truly, like she would be praying every night and day for all of our, of all of us, like her grandchildren and her children. Um, so yeah, that's, and then whenever I would spend time with her at her house, because we grew up basically neighbors, um, we, I would go over there and we would have Bible studies together and stuff like that. So I really always believed because of my grandma and then my mom, um, yeah, she would just, we would pray together every night before bed um, when I was a kid. And that was really the extent of it. But I always believed because we always prayed. But um, I didn't grow up learning any of the Bible stories other than from my grandma, which still wasn't very often. Even when I would go over there, a lot of my cousins lived there too. So we would just end up watching TV and hanging out. And when I was one on one with my grandmas, more when we would have like worship time together. But yeah, I didn't really grow up Adventist. So if you didn't know much about God, who was he? Um, well, I guess in my mind, he was just like this, you know, person that I believed in. Like he, like, and to be honest, like I didn't even really understand who Jesus was. Like I, I believed they were like one and the same, but I just didn't really know the story of Jesus very well at all. So for me, it was always just like, yeah, I believed in God and that's who I prayed to. And it, I just like, I just deeply in my heart, like believed that he was real. Like I never like doubted that he was real, like my entire life, even when I was in some very um, low places, but I just always knew that he was real and he was watching me. And I also always believed that like he was the one determining how my life was going as well. So if I were having a bad week, I was convinced that it was because I did something wrong. Um, and so he was kind of like, yeah, this is what you need. So I'm teaching you a lesson. Um, so I guess it was a, really like a fatherly figure kind of thing um, growing up. But yeah, I mean, I just, I believed, like I just simply believed, but I didn't really know, you know, and understand and have like knowledge um, of what I was truly believing in. So it sounds like he was kind of like a Santa, like he'd be watching you. And if you're doing good, you're doing well. <laughs> if you're not doing well, he's, he's checking a list twice. Um, did he love you? Um, well, so 
basically when I was in high school, I I don't know if I would say I believed that he like unconditionally loved me. I would say it was more so based on like how I was doing or who like how I was acting. Um and if I were going to church, if I were following the rules like of the school and things like that, then I was more like, okay, yeah, like I think he would be proud of me right now. But um I definitely wouldn't say that I believed it was an unconditional love, if that makes sense. So what did you start learning about him as now you're in a, a Christian school? Like what were the first few things that you're learning like, oh, God is like this, or did it all kind of add up to what you thought it was before? Honestly, Richard, it was so hard for me to pay attention in school and at church. Like I would go to church and I would literally tell myself, focus on what's being said, focus on the sermon. And I would try so hard to listen and to just like receive what anybody was talking about when it came to like, you know, we had to go to church every Saturday. What was the pastor talking about? I would leave church and people would be like, oh, I really liked the sermon today. It was about this and that. And I would just hope that nobody asked me what the sermon was about because I would not really, I couldn't listen. Like I couldn't retain anything that was being said. And I think a part of that was because like I had like undiagnosed like ADD um, when I was younger and like still kind of have that. But um. But I would try everything to pay attention and listen um, when people were talking about God, and I just wouldn't get it. I couldn't understand it. It was, it's it's honestly part of like the full story, like how that happens, and like how that is a part of my story. But um, it was just very hard for me to just understand like who is God and like what is the true meaning of like Christianity and religion. And a part of me was always kind of like, okay, I get that like, you know, everybody's Seventh-day Adventist and this is like a religion, but I don't really get what all this is about and like how somebody can be so sure that like this religion is like fully like, you know, the one with all the correct answers. Like that was something that was always definitely hard for me to wrap my head around. But like just believing in the Bible and believing in God were two things that I never didn't believe in. So would you say like you're always thinking about something like you're a fast thinker, like there's always something going on in your mind and you're looking mm -hmm. forward to something? Oh, yeah. So when you're sitting in church, you want to hear what he's saying, but there's so many thoughts going through your mind. Mm hmm. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, that's how I constantly felt in high school. And I would, even my teachers in class, like I would try so hard to understand what they were saying. And I would like two seconds later be thinking about something else. And like, they don't, you know, just in a daze, like staring out the window for like 20 minutes and then like snap back into what the teacher was talking about. And I'm like, wow, like I just missed the entire class. Like I didn't listen to anything. Um, and I was actually... It was my um, junior year of high school. I was at Mount Vernon for sophomore and junior year, um, and I was prescribed Vyvanse at like a very high dosage for like a 16-year-old. Um, and yeah, that like helped me focus like none other. Like I was like hyper-focused from like the second I took it until like late, late at night because it really affects your sleep. I don't know if you've ever taken anything like that, but 
yeah, so I took that my junior year and it kind of helped me focus on the wrong things. Um, and it just really took me down a pretty bad path, but it did help me with school quite a bit. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So when you got on this medication, you said you started hyper-focusing on the wrong things. What <laughs> what did you start focusing on and how, how did you know it was not the, the thing to be focusing on? Yeah, that's when things went downhill actually for me. And I went into a very dark place um, in my life. But that time I was um, in my first relationship in high school, first love, mm -hmm. very intense, very tumultuous, you know how those things can go. Um, but yeah, so we had been together for like, um, probably for about six months at that point. So things were starting to get, well, actually at that point it was probably like eight, but anyways, it was feeling more serious. Like I was in love with this person at this point and that's what we would be saying and you know, all that stuff. And so when I started taking the medication, I would hyper-focus on my feelings in this relationship. And at the time, um, the person I was dating was like a compulsive liar, and he would lie about everything. And so I would be like, hey, like, why are you lying about this? Like, I know it's a lie. And then he would just like, you know, deflect, 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 and I would just go down, like, I would get so mad, and I would just like hyper-focus on that and like the whole relationship. And... I would just get so angry. And I and when you take Vyvanse, like you have no appetite at all. Like it's nearly impossible to eat. Like it doesn't just like decrease your appetite. Like it almost makes food like repulsive. Like they would like the cafeteria would be serving my favorite food and I could not eat it. Like I couldn't even try to. Um which was something the doctor that prescribed it was like, oh, yeah, this is just like a small side effect. But like it was actually like major, like I couldn't not eat. And that also really affected my mood and like probably my hormones. It was just a mess. But I would just get so angry, like irrationally angry. And like the person I was dating at the time, like would just lie about like the silliest things, too. But I would just like fixate on them. And it was like all I could think about. And it was not good. It was not good at all. And that went on for about a year. And then finally he broke up with me. And then I was like, I think these pills are not good for me. So I'm going to stop taking them. And that's that was my senior year of high school. And that is when I really started to develop like a much deeper relationship with God. Because when that relationship ended, I was like, a wreck. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had a high school relationship, but like, I've, I've listened to a lot of these podcasts and I think you, you definitely know what that's like to have that young heartbreak. And it's just, it's a real feeling and it's very, very intense. But that was a time where I definitely, um, sought that relationship with God. Um, and it really healed me a lot. Um, he was just very present with me there. And that relationship, um, just really took a turn during that time in my life. Um, mm. and yeah, I, I mean, I guess that just kind of goes back to say like, yeah, I did not understand anything really about the Bible. I, I couldn't really talk about theology or scripture, any of it, but I definitely had a relationship with God and that was something I never doubted ever. Before this relationship ended or before you were in the relationship, you knew, man, I, I, I'm kind of scatterbrained and it's hard for me to focus on these things. What did you, how did you see yourself 
Did you have a pretty good self-image or what did your self-image depend on? And this before mm-hmm. the relationship. Before the relationship? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I would see myself as kind of cool. Um, friends with a lot of people. Um, I was definitely like in a little bit of a party phase in high school um, and middle schools when it started actually in eighth grade and ninth grade. Um, so like I would be at boarding school and I'd be like, oh, everybody. So like nobody's ever tried anything here. And then I'd go home for the weekend and be with all my friends and they would all be like drinking and, you know, doing all that stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so cool. Cause I do this when I go home and then I go back to boarding school and talk about it and people think it's cool. Yeah. So you- <laughs> I guess that's kind of how I-, I saw myself just like a cool party girl. I don't know. Yeah. So you were, did any of that affect how, like before you were saying like your relationship with God depended on how you were doing, how did that match mm-hmm. up? Did you think that there was, you know, partying and that sort of thing? There's no problem with it. Or did you feel like, uh, maybe there is a problem with this? No, I felt so much shame about it. Like I would do it and then I would basically like before bed, like pray that like God would wake me up in the morning and forgive me and like not end my life because I was doing this kind of thing. Like it wasn't always that dramatic, like and intense, but like when I would be doing that, like I never did it with like a guilt-free conscience. Like I always did it with a guilty conscience and yeah, that definitely took some of the fun out of it for sure, but I still did it anyways because that's what everybody was doing at home um, at my public school. And yeah, and that's kind of what I meant when I was saying like, yeah, my relationship with God was definitely not like this unconditional love because I just didn't feel like I deserved it. So you saw yourself as the party girl and that gave you a little bit of clout because <laughs> when you're going to a boarding <laughs> yeah. school and you're with a lot of kids who haven't experienced that, you kind of stick out and you can be like, yeah, you know, I've tried mm-hmm. this. And they thought you were mm-hmm. pretty cool then. Yeah, it's so It sounds so funny now saying it, but yeah, I think that's definitely kind of how it was. So when you get into this relationship, how did you start seeing yourself through the relationship? Hmm. I, my entire, like, all my emotions and feelings like were wrapped up in this relationship. So if we were fighting, like I was a wreck. If we were happy, like I was super happy. Like I always experienced emotions very um, deeply. So if I'm like, everything's going good in the relationship, like it's the best day ever. And if we're arguing and fighting, like I was really, really upset and it was hard for me to like um, just kind of, be friendly and like just be myself um, when things were going on. Um, But yeah, the relationship really was like affecting my whole life. Like I felt like that was what was in control of my happiness and my all around mood was the relationship. Yeah. And this is so common and like you're, you're correct. I mean, high school relationships, it's almost like the most raw and sweet version of you because you don't know anything, you're very naive and mm-hmm. you just kind of put your all into it because, and a lot of it is, is from movies you see or relationships mm-hmm. that other people are having. And you're kind of just like, how am I supposed to look? How is this supposed to work? What are we supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How, 
Yeah. And in that way, you were trying to figure that out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, a funny story about that, actually. my That guy I was dating at the time, I actually told him to watch The Notebook. And I was like, this is exactly what a relationship should be like. <laughs> like, you should be like the guy and I should be like the girl. And this is how it should work. You wanted him to take notes as he's watching. Yes, literally. I was like, take notes, watch this. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. At the time, I would say he really, really, really just wanted to please me. And then eventually that came to an end when he realized like, yeah, no, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. But he was like really, really liked me a lot and really just wanted to like do whatever he could like to make me happy. And I was just like mean and raging hormones and this, I don't know, like this Vyvanse was making me crazy, it felt like. And I was just like, I would just, I felt like I was just so mean to him and he would just keep trying. Yeah. So bad. did you get off of the medication before the relationship ended? Yeah. Yeah. The relationship ended. Um, He broke up with me really bad. It was really bad. He actually was working up in Cleveland because he lived in Mount Vernon, but he was working up in Cleveland for the summer at my family's um, business. And um, one day he was like, yeah, no, this was bad. One day he was like, okay, I'm going down to Florida with my dad and my friend. And I was like, all right, bye. See you when you get back. He left for Florida and never talked to me again. (laughs) He literally just cut off all communication. And I was like, I was so distraught because I basically like felt like I had control of this relationship. Like he, I, I was just like so mean and controlling and he really just like let that be like that until this one day he just left, went to Florida and never talked to me again. And so obviously I was not okay. I was like so distraught. I was sobbing. I was a wreck. Like, and I remember one night I was like, trying so hard to get a hold hold of him, but he had like blocked me, deleted his social media at the time. Yeah, it was so bad. He just stopped. He was just like, okay, see you later. And then was like, I'm never. Yeah, I actually like replayed that back in my head so many times. The last time that like I saw him, we were actually driving on the road together. I was driving in my car and he was driving in his car. And I was on my way to work and he was on his way to um, Mount Vernon to go, drive with his dad down to Florida and I went straight and he took a left at the light and that was the last time I saw him it was over it was done yeah that's like a movie yeah and I was like bye love you see you when you get back and he was like bye never gonna talk to you again but didn't show any signs of actually like officially ending it he just did all of a sudden it was like he was with his friend and I don't know had enough like you know, courage to just be like, yep, I'm done actually. And yeah, it was crazy. Like we never talked again. There was no closure. There was no um, conversation or anything. And actually when he was in Florida, I was so mad mad and like upset one night that I called his dad and I was like, where is he? What is he doing? He hasn't talked to me in days. Is he dead? And his dad was like, no, I think he's fishing right now. And I was was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It was bad. So you it's say funny looking back, but man, that that is heartbreak. I I've yeah. heard a lot of heartbreaking stories, but that one that's that's terrible. So you say mm-hmm. you got close to God. How was God comforting you during this time? Like, mm-hmm. what what happened there? So during that time, like I stopped taking the medication and 
and I think that was something that God really prompted as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I stopped taking that medication and um, I sort of just was in so much pain that, and I felt like I was in this tunnel, like this really dark, dark tunnel. And um, there was like no end, like insight. That's just like this visual I had in my head the whole time. I'm like, where's the end? Where's the light? When do things get better? Like I was just in so much pain. Um, and like, I would just pray every day and just like, you know, ask for his comfort and for his strength because I would hear about it and, you know, all these people would talk about it. And at the time I started reading um, one of Joel Osteen's books every day. <laughs> yeah, but reading that book brought me a lot of comfort, actually. And that was another thing. I was never into reading ever. Like I did not like it because I just couldn't focus. I would read a page and then I wouldn't remember a single thing on the page. And I was like, I don't know why people like this, you know, like I can't actually do it. Like it's just, it's so hard. But that book, I had no problem reading. Like it just gave me a lot of hope. Um, as much as a lot of it was probably like stuff I just definitely don't agree with now. Um, which I definitely don't. I've looked back at that book, but it definitely did give me a lot of hope at the time. And it, and it did like, you know, help me in my prayer life, um, to just know that, like I wasn't alone. Like I just never felt like I was truly alone, even during that really dark season. Um, yeah. Wow. So this was when you were a junior or your senior year? Um, this was summer going into senior year. So I was 17 at the time. So then you didn't go back to Mount Vernon? No, I didn't. And I wasn't planning to anyways. Um, I wanted to go back to public school and be with my friends for senior year and do all the senior year stuff that my public school did that like a lot of academies don't do. And um, Mount Vernon at the time was actually like closing. That was actually the last year that the school was open. Um, and then they closed for good. So when you got back to public school, were you able to continue just kind of this relationship that you had with this God that you kind of were starting to understand a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely I was, but um, the party phase didn't stop. It definitely got a lot worse since I was, and I was like back in my public school, all my friends are like having parties all the time. One of my, my closest, one of my closest friends actually got like nominated as like the biggest partier like at our school because she would throw house parties when her mom worked the night shifts and it was just it was a wild time but yeah I mean I was still like really like this relationship with God just was very real to me like it was never something that I didn't believe in but it was definitely something that I was very hard on myself even though I did go through these party phases for a while and that really continued into college and stuff too but I would say it wasn't until college where that all took a turn. Okay, where'd you go to where'd you go to college? I went to Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio. It's about two hours west of Cleveland, and that's a big party school where a lot of my family went and my mom went and my cousins went. Um and that's where my best friend Candace was going and um we both were like, let's be roommates. So we ended up just going and it was a lot of fun. What did you study? I studied human development and family studies, and I minored in entrepreneurship. So your goal, what was the end goal for you? I did not have one. I had no clue what I wanted to do when I went to college. Um, I didn't even decide on a major until halfway through my sophomore year. 
And then um, that's when I heard about human development and family studies. And I was like, oh, it sounds like fun. I love learning about people and relationships and families and all these different dynamics and age groups and stuff like that. So that was something I was just genuinely interested in. And it felt very broad. Um, so I picked it because I knew that it was broad enough for me to decide again later what I wanted to do in life after I graduated. And it's basically like a lot of like nonprofit work um, is the sort of thing you can go into from that major. Um, yeah, it definitely took me a lot of different avenues, but surprisingly has um, been a very beneficial major because a lot of companies like that, the relationship skills and the understanding of people that you kind of learn from that major. So it can be applied to various places. But yeah, when I chose it and throughout college, yeah, I just had no idea what I was actually going to do with it. But I just knew that it would come in handy somehow. And I also um, always believed very deeply that God was leading my life. Um, so even if I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, um, I was still like comforted um, with that, like knowing that he was going to lead me somewhere. Were your yeah. friends into God at all? Or was it kind of like your friends are a bunch of partiers or they're just kind of doing their thing and you're with them, but you also have, yeah. there's something deeper with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, none of my friends were believers. Yeah. None of them in high school. Um, and then in college, same thing. Yeah. Nobody. Um, and then after my freshman year of college, I was like, because I'm believing, you know, and I have this relationship with God and I go to a college where all we do is go out and party like three to four nights a week, like the entire year, my freshman year. Um, I was like, I really need to be around a Christian community. So I applied for summer camp to work there at Camp Mohaven in Ohio. And I went and that's where like really a lot of things changed um, and kind of like started to stem from that, which was really cool. But yeah, I would say summer camp is where I had my Christian community throughout my college years. So if you're out partying three to four nights a week, uh, are there any relationships your first year of college or you're just kind of like, it's, it's kind of, um, tell me about that. Yeah. Funny enough. The guy from high school came back into my life and <laughs> he spoke to you again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I could tell stories from that relationship for hours. It's just kind of funny. But like looking back, I I had so like I was so sorry for everything that I put him through. Um, he reached out to me a year later after he left and never spoke to me. But he reached out to me a year later and basically was like, I did that because like of this, this and this. And I was just like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, um, like I would never do that again. I've changed so much, which I really did. Um, but on the other hand, he had become actually very like mean and, um, like a player, like a big time player. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just felt so sorry for everything that I did that, um, I looked past it and the line never stopped, but we ended up dating for like a couple more years on and off. Um, and I would say throughout college, um, I was never really interested. Like I would date people, but I was never interested in like hooking up with anybody or talk, like being more than friends. Like I just would just like, like guys, but never want to do anything. Um, only with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was your, that was your guy. Yeah. So when you went to camp, 
Um, did you ha- kind of have a similar attitude from when you went to Mount Vernon from like, I'm the public university girl, or mm-hmm. did you want to kind of keep that side a little bit more to yourself? Yeah, no, at that point, I was not as much like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. I do this and this like it was more um, I felt guilty for it. And going to summer camp was more of a way for me to like grow and like grow my relationship with God and for him to just see me as good and like just be in a place where other believers are around me. And, you know, I was not at summer camp, like being the party girl. I did not want that. Like I didn't like, even though I would go out all the time, like it just, um, it wasn't really what I wanted. It was more just the environment I was in and I just did it. Um, my freshman year and sophomore year is when it was like the worst. Um, but yeah, I would say during my, the beginning of my sophomore year, um, of college, like after summer camp at Mohaven, um, was when my party phase like got the worst and I was like, I was just, I was partying way more, um, and going way too hard. Um, and I was like also staying in sometimes on Friday nights because I just felt so guilty about it. And my friends would all go out Friday night and I would just sit in the dorm by myself, um, and just read like some Joel Osteen or I would read the Bible and I would just be like, yeah, this is better. But I just felt so guilty because I'm like, I don't really want to be doing this. Like I kind of want to be going out right now, but I just feel like I can't, I felt like I couldn't stay in because I was just so bored. Um, and I was trying to force myself to want to stay in. Um, and I just, I wanted a reason, like I wanted a strong reason to not party anymore. And then, sophomore year, um, I was praying that prayer, like God just used something to stop the partying because I don't know how to stop it on my own. Um, and just be strong enough to not go out because I was so bored. Um, and then hold on. Okay. What is it about the partying that you just knew that you didn't like, or it wasn't you? And then what were you searching for with the partying? Was it just, this is fun or I honestly wasn't really searching for much out of the partying. It felt like um, it just felt like the only thing to do. Like the school I was at was a party school, like our elevator um, in our dorm just like reeked of weed constantly 24 seven. Like that was just the entire school. People just partied on the weekends and like during the weekdays, like there were dollar drink nights every night of the week. Like it was just, that's all people did. And my friend group there, that's all that they did as well. Um, so I just felt very bored and that's just what I kind of defaulted to doing because it was normal. And even like my cousins and family who would go to BG, like that was always known as their party years and they would go out constantly. And so I just always felt like that's what I'm supposed to do is go to college, party and party as much as I can. And then when I get out of college, um, then I don't know, get married and settle down (laughs) and always look back at college as my party years. I don't know. That's just what I thought. Why did you, what what was it about it that you're just like, no, I don't want to. Um, yeah, it was just not as fun as it seemed like it would be when I was a kid. And like, I would go out Um, and I honestly just like, I wanted to stop drinking because it just made me feel so bad. Um, and yeah, 
I just did not enjoy it. It was not fulfilling. And it was, I would like leave summer camp and I would feel so good, like being at summer camp and enjoying that time and being completely sober and just building relationships with people who are also believers. It was the best. And then going back to college, I was like, this is not for me. Hmm. But I still went into like one of the deepest party phases yet at that point. Um, and yeah, that's when I actually had an accident in um, my sophomore year of college on homecoming day. And it basically homecoming is a day where you drink all day long and then you drink all night long. Um, it's just like a huge party weekend. And so it was Saturday and we were at like the football game um, tailgating and like drinking. People had kegs and it was just like constantly drinking. And then I went back to my dorm, took a nap. This was like what people would do at our school, take a nap, and then you go out again at night. And so I took a nap, and I took some Advil, which you're not supposed to probably do that when you're drinking. And then I went to another party and um, drank, like, way too much. It was way too much, and I got very sick. And, like, there were a few times when I would throw up ever from drinking, and this night I blacked out so bad that I woke up in the backyard of my friend's house um, covered in mud and like crawling around in the backyard, just vomiting like on the ground. And I'm like crawling around basically in it. And like my friend comes outside and she's like, where have you been? And I was like, whoa, like what is going on? And I look down and I just, yeah, see mud all over me. And I'm like, wow, how long have I been out here? She's like, you've been missing for an hour. And I was like, what the heck? That's crazy. And then um, I stood up and actually like fell into the bushes, like straight up, like couldn't even stand up. And then um, that finally stopped. And then I went into the front of the house where like the porch was and I'm just chatting with my friends. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to need to throw up again. I'll see you guys in a minute. And I go into the backyard again, like my weird little space where I was just <laughs> hanging out by myself. It was like dark at night, creepy back there. I don't even know why I like was back there. Um, and I just get the like most intense pain in my um, pancreas that like I've ever felt in my life. Like it was so intense that I like actually started screaming in pain. Oh, um, yeah, it was actually very scary. And I went to the front where my friends were and I was just like, screaming like call 911 like I can't like I'm about to die like I was literally like you guys I'm dying like call 911 at this point I was only uh 19 or 18 I was 19 at this point and so I was underage drinking and they were like we're not calling 911 because you're gonna get in trouble and all this stuff they thought they were gonna get in trouble and I was like I don't care what happens to anybody like I am dying I actually thought I was dying um anyways I got in the ambulance and they like put hooked me up to all these different things and it turned out i had this thing called acute pancreatitis mm -hmm. which is when the enzymes in your pancreas are like inflamed and it was it was crazy but after that happened i basically had to drink clear liquids for three days i couldn't even eat um because my pancreas was like so messed up um and then after that i was like that's it i'm not drinking i'm done like, and I just was like actually thankful like that God had that happen, you know, because I was like convinced that that happened. So I would stop drinking and now have an excuse to not drink, you know, and it was like a way out for me. I would, if I would go out and people would be like, oh, why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, oh, remember like my pancreas, I just can't. So 
Yeah, I used that for a while. Like basically that entire year, I just stopped drinking. But I would still go out, but I just didn't anymore. And I was actually just glad that I wasn't. Um, but yeah. So you believe that, did you believe that God gave you the pancreatitis to, to stop? <laughs> I was praying like for something to happen <laughs> for me to stop drinking. So yeah, at that time I was like, yeah, I think he definitely arranged for this somehow because, and at that time too, I was believing that like, you know, me being doing these things, like I was going to get in trouble. Like I wasn't going to be blessed. I wasn't going to be um, saved. Like I was just very much like, yeah, like I need to go to church this weekend so I can have a better week and um, be seen as good, you know? Yeah. So what happened after that? It was very flip-floppy. Yeah, what happened after that? Um, I actually became friends with this girl, and she was a Christian, and we would work out together, and we would go to church together, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing things good now, like I'm, you know, doing what I should be doing, um, and then, yeah, that's kind of what I did after that, and then um, I got um, a job at Camp Y, and I, like, not too long after that. Um, and I was super pumped about it. And I'd always dreamed about like going to Hawaii and working at summer camp and all these different things. And like, God was like combining like two of my dreams together, like working at summer camp and in Hawaii. So it just felt like a huge, like he just really wanted me to be there. And what was the connection from Ohio to Hawaii? Like, how did you hear about Waianae? How did you yeah. like, yeah, what's the story with that? Well, that was honestly like one of the, like, I would say in my life, one of the craziest like miracles that God had worked out for me. And um, so I knew Danica. Do you know, you know, Danica, right? Love Danica. Yeah, she's the best. And when I was little, I was a camper at Camp Mohaven for two years and I like met Danica. Um, of course, she didn't know me. She was like older and cool staff. And I was just like a camper, but I heard her name and I was like, wow, that is the coolest name I've ever heard. Like I've never met somebody named Danica. And I was like, that is just such a cool name. So literally for years in high school and college, I was like, like, you know, people are like, oh, what do you want to name your kids? I would always say Danica. I just love that name. It's so cool. Little did I know that she was going to be the one that God was going to use to like guide me to where I was really, you know, meant to be. Mm -hmm. And I was also friends with Chloe. I don't know if you know Chloe. Chloe Mendez? Yes. I've, okay, yeah, I worked with both Danica and Chloe, I feel like I know them. I've never met them. But mm -hmm. like, uh, because of this thing called the internet, we're, we're all like a yes. big family. So you're friends oh, yeah. with Chloe, you're friends with Danica, mm -hmm. and they're both going to work at Why Not? Yeah, Danica already worked there, actually. And um, Chloe was good friends with Danica. And yeah, it basically wasn't even in my mind. I wasn't even trying to be there. But throughout the year, like when I was, you know, not drinking anymore, and I was praying a lot more, um, I was just praying that God would just, you know, make a way for me to end up um, at camp in Hawaii. And I had no idea how that was going to happen. I just was hoping for it. Um, and then one weekend, Chloe was like, hey, you should come visit me. Um, 
I have this walk going on and all this stuff. Like, you should just come down for it. And at the time, like in college, I didn't have a car. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a way down. She was at Ohio State, which is like two hours away. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have a way down there. Um, so I told her I couldn't come. And then five minutes later, um, a girl from across the hall comes in my room and she's like, hey, we're going to Columbus this weekend. Like, do you guys want to come? And I was like, no way. Like, my friend just asked me. And I said, no, but now I'm going to tell her yes. So um, I ended up going down to visit Chloe in Columbus. And right when I got there, um, I walked into her sister's apartment. Her sister was like, are you going to go to Hawaii with Chloe? And I was like, what? I was like, Chloe, you're going to Hawaii? And she was like, um, no, I am not going to Hawaii. And I was like, wait, do you have the option to go to Hawaii? Like, what am I missing here? And Chloe was like, yeah, Danica's really trying to get me to work at Camp I, but there's no way I'm going. Chloe's never been on a plane. And she was horrified of it. And I was like, no, we're going. Like, I am going to make you come and I'm going to go with you somehow. And like two minutes later, um, Danica out of the blue text Chloe in all caps apply for camp I right now. And I was like, Chloe, this is a sign. Like, we need to apply <laughs> right now. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, it took so much convincing for her to go to Hawaii, like, such an amazing place, but she was so, so scared of flying. That's what really um, took a lot of the persuasion. But eventually, um, I, I interviewed with Bethany, who was also working at YNI at the time, and we I got the job, so did Chloe. And two weeks later, we were flying to Hawaii, and that's where things changed, you know, like, a lot. But that summer, I didn't, like, really, 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 like, understand the gospel yet. But my relationship with God, I was like, whoa, like I was just like blown away by how he made it happen for like us to get there and stuff. Like even the way he got me down to Columbus and stuff, I was like, this is crazy, God. Like you're doing all these things. Like, yeah, it was just super cool. What year but was that? That was in 2017. 2017. So you get to Camp Wainai. You say you didn't fully understand the gospel yet, but what did you start learning that was maybe different? Yeah, I was learning a lot of things that were different. That was when I met Jonathan and a bunch of other people. But yeah, Pastor Jonathan was the staff pastor at the time. And um, he was that year and then the next two years too. But um, that summer, he, it, he just was like on fire, like, and so excited and just like, just dying to talk about God and, you know, everything. And I was like, wow, I have never met somebody so excited, like about God and just like, you know, with so much understanding and wisdom about the Bible. I was like amazed by that, but I still didn't understand a word he was saying like at <laughs> all, like every other pastor. I was like, I don't know what he's saying, but I know his heart is so excited and he is just awesome. And I just love Pastor Jonathan. But yeah, I was like, Nope, don't know what you're talking about. But I still just was like, I just felt excited and I felt like everything he was saying, like there was really something to it. But for me, it was all just like, just my relationship with God at this point. Like I, I just was lacking so much understanding and like knowledge it felt like, but it didn't affect my relationship with him. Like that was still very real all along. But that, that summer, like I, um, I got baptized by Pastor Jonathan. What would, um, when you were getting baptized, what was it? What was what was your decision? Like he's really on fire and and God's probably <laughs> really great. 
no, that's not how it happened. Um, actually, like, so I was having a lot of like heart to hearts with my campers and all this stuff. And it was just such an awesome summer. Like, you know how summer camp, like you go and you just feel like, wow, like, you know, his presence just feels so strong and like real. And like, to me, like whenever I was in like a Christian environment like that, like when I was away from my college and I was around other Christians, that's when I just would feel the most joy I've ever felt in my life. And I knew that it was more than just being at summer camp, you know, I, I just knew it was so much more. Um, and even just seeing how much joy Jonathan had, I was like, yeah, this is not normal. Like this grown man is acting crazy right now over the Bible. Like I've never seen this before. But um, but yeah, so we were, it was the last day of camp and um, we were doing baptisms for a few of the um, camp staff. And a few days prior to that, um, during worship, Jonathan was like, yeah, um, the Holy Spirit's really putting it on my heart that a few of the staff here um, are going to be baptized or want to be baptized. And at that point, it never crossed my mind. I was like, well, eh, not me though, but good for those who do. Like, I don't even really know what it means to be baptized, you know, because I just didn't really get anything. But um, but that day um, at the pool, um, he was basically like, if there's anybody here that God is like putting it on your heart to get baptized, like come on down and get baptized. And I was sweating. I was sobbing. I'm like sitting at the pool, crying my eyes out at like watching my friends get baptized. And I've just never felt so moved and so like emotional about something before. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I didn't really know what it meant, but I just knew that like whatever was happening in that, in those baptisms, like was like something I needed to do. And I've always been like a pretty shy person. Like I I'm not like the boldest to talk in front of a bunch of people or to get up in front of like a hundred people and go get baptized. But um, yeah, God was like, get up. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, get up right now, like take your shoes off. And I was like, nope, uh, -uh. I am not getting up in front of all these people to go get baptized. I'm not doing it. And like, I still, I was just sobbing and sobbing. And then I just like saw this picture of Jesus literally telling me to get up. And I took my shoes off and I stood up and I started walking to the pool and it was not me. Like I was not, I felt like I was not even in control in that moment to like be like, I'm not doing this. Like, cause I was, I didn't want to do it, but I was up and I was walking to the pool and I was sobbing and that's, yeah, I got baptized. And it's something that like after that, I was just like, that was the best experience of my life. Um, God basically just like told me to get up and get baptized and I did it and I couldn't have been happier. Um, and I just, like I said, yeah, he was just very real to me and was just very present. And, um, that relationship was just growing more. Um, and that experience was just really cool, but that's how it happened. Were you still dating this guy from back home? Yeah. <laughs> what did you tell yep. him? Um, I told him about it and he was happy for me, but that's about it. <laughs> so yeah. are you about to be a junior or are you about to be a senior in college? A junior in college, yeah. So as you go back, um, is life different? What happens? Yeah, yes, it is actually. Um, yeah, I decided I there were a few things I wanted to change, um, about my life and how I was living. Like I really did not want to continue drinking. So I didn't, um, my junior year of college, like I barely went out. 
Um, I did occasionally, but I still barely drank just because I just did not want to. Um, and at that point, like, that's what I had been praying for was like to not want to do it. Um, and not feel like I was missing out because I always had a lot of FOMO. That's another reason why it was really hard for me not to go out because I'm like, dang, everybody's having so much fun. And then when I would go out, I'm like, this is not that fun. But if I was at home, it seemed like it was the most fun thing in the world. Um, but yeah, I was staying in and I was totally fine. I was like, I don't even want to be out. I just want to be at home doing whatever um, else. Yeah, I just did not desire it, which was cool. That was just God working in my heart then. Um, and then, yeah, you were, what was the question? Again? So then, yeah, what else, what else was changing then? Like you, you stopped oh, okay. drinking. Yeah, I wasn't drinking. Um, and then I also did not want to, um, have sex before marriage yeah. anymore. I was like completely done with that. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. So did yeah. your boyfriend, was he upset at this news? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I didn't. I was not changing my mind about it. But yeah, so, made things very difficult. So yeah, tell me how how did that how did that news um, help or hurt the relationship then? Um. Well, at that point, the relationship was going downhill very fast. Anyways. Um. And I was feeling very much like I was just feeling super, super anxious. By the way, this was a long distance relationship. He lived in Florida. And so we would fly and visit each other like every month or two and um, just talk on the phone all the time. But he was like going out all the time. He was like a bouncer at a club. And I was like, like he was just like, I don't know. He would like talk about all these girls that would be hitting on him and all this stuff. And I'm just like, there's no way that he's out there and he's not like, I don't know, doing more. I was just super anxious that I, and I was convinced that he like had to be like cheating on me or like hooking up with girls, whatever. And, but I could not bust him. Like I told you, he was a, you know, compulsive liar. So yes, he lied about everything and everything. And it was so bad. Um, and then one day I was like at my breaking point and I was, but I didn't want to end it because I was like in love with this guy. At least I thought I was. And I, you know, breaking up again would just be so painful. Like it was the first time I just wanted to avoid that at all costs. But, um, but yeah, he was, um, he, how did this happen again? Oh, I was at my breaking point and I was like, basically in my room one day and I had been up every night for like the past three weeks sobbing until like three in the morning because I just knew in my heart that he was being sketchy like super sketchy and um I just asked God I was like I can't figure this out I can't like bust him on my own like I was like God like please just reveal to me like if there's something else going on here that I should know about and there were like multiple times when I caught him doing weird stuff that I questioned but he just lied his way out of it and I just believed him because I was just you trying wanted to see to the best him. in him you didn't want to believe that yeah yeah I really wanted to believe him yeah it was something that like yeah just tried to get peace from him I tried to um, believe him and feel better. But there just came a point where I was like, I can't believe what he's saying anymore because I just know deep down that it's not true. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, when I prayed that prayer and I asked God and I just, I even was so 
bold with that prayer. I was like, God, I don't care at this point how bad it hurts me. Like, if there's something more going on here, just reveal it to me. And if you don't want us to be together, reveal that to me. And that was another thing. I was like, I was convinced for some reason that, like, I was supposed to marry him. Like, I was just like, yeah, this is who I'm supposed to marry. And we're supposed to get through all these things together. Like, we're going to make it through this. But that was really just, like, a huge lie that I was believing. Um, And the whole relationship was just, it was bad. If you are looking for a Bible study on freedom from sin that's in Spanish, we host one every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Central with Eddie and Ame, and it's in Spanish. If you or your loved one needs to, to, to learn more and wants to understand this concept of freedom from sin, email us at steady at lovereality.org, and we will get you a list with the links, the times, and all the information you need to join our Bible studies. Thank you so much. I hope you'll join us there. When I was praying that prayer, um, as soon as it was over, I was done praying, I literally closed my eyes and all these different moments that I thought things were fishy just clicked in my brain and I was done. I just ended it there and it was over. I knew deep down like he was lying and being sketchy. But after that, I was like, yeah, no, like what have I been doing? It was like a whole, like it felt like a reality check, like for real. And it was just done. That relationship was over. And I was not as upset as I thought I would be, which was cool. So now you're in this new kind of reality that you're living in. Um, you really, you were doing stuff that you didn't want to do, but you've been impressed that God doesn't want you to live that way. You don't want to live that Mm -hmm. way. Was God Mm -hmm. still guilting you about things in your mind? Um, was he still like the taskmaster, like the Santa Claus or was he becoming a different (laughs) thing? I would say at this point it was a little different. Um, like I, I wouldn't say I felt this like deep you know, condemnation all the time. Um, it definitely wasn't like that, but it definitely was not. I still was just lacking a lot of understanding, but at this point I was starting to read a lot more, um, from the Bible. And that was teaching me, actually teaching me for the first time. Um, so when I was be reading, I would be reading just like you know, on my own, like with no outer context or like explanations from other people. Like I would just be reading by myself and trying to understand like exactly what the text meant, but that was still very, very difficult for me. Um, Yeah. So this is your junior year. You head back to camp. Why not you're in between your junior and senior year of college? Mm -hmm. How'd that go? What, what, what happens next? It was good. Um, <laughs> summer at Camp Waianae 2018 was another lovely summer. Those summers were like some of the best summers of my life, like really, really, really awesome and just very, very spiritually rich. Um, but that summer was not like it was good. Like it was really good and I was still learning, but I was just as confused. <laughs> And double-minded and confused. Yep, I just stayed confused, Richard, for like two more years. <laughs> what do you mean double-minded for someone who's listening? Like, we hear the term double-minded. What does double-minded mean? Um, So I guess double-minded is like, well, for me, I was just thinking like, 
okay, well, like, I don't know, like, God loves me and he's good, but like, I am still, I guess, just living my life and doing my thing and needing to, you know, seek that forgiveness. Um, I just, I wasn't understanding like how good he really was and how good I really was. So I was just kind of like, I don't know, the way my thoughts, like the way I was thinking and living, like it did not match. It didn't make sense, Hmm. I guess. So you're, Jonathan's there, you're hearing him preach. Is there anything else that clicks or is it still just kind of like, love you, bro. And (laughs) I, I, I do love God, but there's, like what you're saying is over my head. Um, this summer, what was clicking for me was like how powerful prayer actually is. Um, that was a huge thing that was clicking for me in summer 2018. And there was we that was the first um, love reality tour that I was a part of, um, and that was at uh, Wahiwa Church on Oahu, and basically we did that for a week before camp started. And during that time, um, I was just like realizing how powerful prayer is and, and how bold we can be in prayer. So one night I was like, um, I think Pastor Jonathan was kind of like prompting us to pray very boldly and just ask for something and just be very confident in what we were asking for. And so that night, um, I went back to my bed and I remember praying in bed and I asked for something extremely specific about one of my aunts um, and that she would communicate with someone from my family because I really my aunt left the family and I really wanted her to come back um, and so I remember that night I was like I just pray that my aunt um, will reach out to my grandma again and my mom texted me the next day and was like you'll never guess what happened aunt so-and-so reached out to Tata last night. Tata's my grandma. And, um, and she's like, she reached out to, yeah, Tata and wants to meet up. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I was floored. I was floored. And I was just like, I prayed for that (laughs) out of boldness because I was told that like, he really just answers our prayers that quickly. But that's the thing, like God has done that before, but like, I just felt so confident in that moment. And like, after it happened, I was like, I was just shook. And I was just like, okay, like I knew all along, like I said, that like, he's real and he's with us, but you know, there were just like these little contact point of faith moments that were just like kind of shaking up my world and they were changing things slowly, but surely very slowly, but surely it felt like looking back took a while for me, but yeah, that's what happened. And so that summer, um, I was just like, yeah, again, just like he is so real and he is so good, but like, also I got work some things out. I still got to understand more, but, um, yeah, praying is really cool. So that's what kind of developed over that summer, but it gets good in 2019. <laughs> what, what happened in between 2018, 2019 summers was a school year. Is this your senior year going back? Things are different. You're single. Is there something Mm -hmm. that happened during the school year? Actually, a lot happened. Tell me about it. A lot. So it was my last semester at Bowling Green. Um, I graduated a semester early because I was ready to get out of that party school and go into like a Christian environment, like 
full-time. So I graduated in December. That last semester was just really busy with like internships and work and school. I was taking 20 credit hours and it was just a lot. So that semester I was just, you know, doing my thing. I wasn't partying at all though. Like that last semester you think, you know, you'd be out partying and getting all of it in before you leave. But I was so ready to just be done there. Um, And then as soon as I graduated, Um, In December, I went home and I was like looking for a job, trying to find a place through, um, like I just wanted to be a missionary. Like that's really what was on my heart to go be a missionary somewhere, but I had no idea how to do it. I didn't know anything about like Adventist volunteer services. I didn't know anything. I was like looking into the Peace Corps, but I was like, this is a big commitment and stuff. I just wasn't sure what to do. Um, so I started working at this smoothie shop, um, slash like barista coffee shop kind of thing. And that was super fun. Um, I did that for like a little over a month and then I get a call from my girl Danica again. And she's like, Hey girl, what are you doing? And I was like, Danica, I'm working at this smoothie shop, but this is not where I want to be at. And she was like, well, where do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a missionary. I want to be out in the field. I want to be doing something. And she was like, you know that Adventist volunteers are like constantly looking for people, like even in the middle of the school year. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) And she's like, I'll keep an eye out for you. So I'm like, all right, like she'll keep an eye out. Like a couple hours later, she sends me like desperate need of teachers in Majuro, which is in Micronesia in the Marshall Islands. And it's actually where she served as a missionary. And even Pastor Jonathan was in Majuro for a year, um, but which I didn't even know at the time. It was just kind of funny. But yeah, Danica's like, hey, girl, um, this place is like really looking for teachers right now. So if you're interested, you might want to look into this. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Yes, this is where I'm going. They need teachers. And I just want to be that person to just go anywhere. Um, And so I prayed about it. And I just really felt that God was going to open that door if that's where he wanted me to go. So I applied. And like two weeks later, I was on my way to Madro. And I started teaching second grade. um, And I jumped in in Feb. No, yeah, it was February. um, And the school year started like in August. So I'm just coming out of nowhere. But there were four missionaries that just left in December over winter break. They didn't tell anybody they were leaving um, and they just up and left. And so there were teachers. When I got there, um, the second grade teacher was teaching 45 second graders by herself. Lord have mercy. Like, yeah, it was crazy. And so when I when I was on my way there, I thought I was teaching eighth grade. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'm teaching fifth grade now. And then when I actually get to the school, they're like, you'll let, you'll be teaching second grade. And I was like, what in the world is happening? Like I had no preparation because I did not even know like what I was doing. I've never been a teacher. I've only been like a counselor, you know, and like learned about kids in my major and college, but like I had no idea how to be a teacher. So I get to Madro. It's my first day there. I landed. It's like 1 p.m. I am like totally disoriented because the time change is like 17 hours, like totally like flipped upside down. Um, So I was like very delusional. And I obviously like was in a very like foreign place too. And um, so I get there and I'm just like, oh, wow, this is really crazy and stuff. And um, they like dropped me off at my apartment. Like honestly, going into this, I didn't even know like where I was living, what any of this was going to be like. It was just, um, just really just following, you know, where I felt that God wanted me to be. And really like 
the desire of my heart at the time, like what he really put on my heart to go and do. Um, so yeah, I get there and my, I wake up the next morning, I go to staff worship and I'm like, okay, so I'm probably going to be getting a tour of the school today. Going to see where things are. Like I was, well, like when I got there the day before, I basically just like went to bed like very soon after because Mm. it was all flipped around the time and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, that morning after staff worship, I went and I saw my classroom. I didn't even get inside. I just got to the door and there were 18 second graders standing outside the door ready for me to teach them. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, what's going on? And the other second grade teacher was like, they're ready for you. And I was like, what? Like, they're ready for me to be their teacher right now. She's like, yeah, you can just have them color today. Like it can be a really chill day. Like just if you could just take them, that would be great. And I was like, like, I, like they were ready to have me start teaching right then and there. And I was like, I am like, I was shaking. I was so nervous. And all these kids were like looking at me, you know, how kids view their teachers. Like it's like they are like the coolest person in the world. And I'm like seeing them for the first time. And I was so like scared. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I don't think I can take them today. Like I've never even seen my classroom and never even learned a single thing of like what they're supposed to be doing. What are their schedules look like? Nothing, like nothing at all. So I was like, can I please come watch you teach them for the day? Like, so I can at least like shadow and get an idea of like what you do as their teacher. Um, so yeah, I went and shadowed her for the day. And then the next day I was, I took all the kids. What was that like? It was scary. It was really crazy. Um, but it was cool in a way, like the kids were amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had no clue what I was doing for the first solid month of teaching. Yeah, it was all a mess for me. <laughs> when did you feel like you started to get a little bit of a hang of it? Um, Probably a solid like month and a half in when I, well, so I was teaching them every subject. Um, Like I was teaching them Bible, um, reading, spelling, um, science, social studies, every single Man. subject. And yeah, math, all of it. And I didn't know where their like learning levels were at because each kid was very different. And um, some of them, there were like language barriers as well. So it was just kind of like getting an understanding for like where they were at, like at their learning levels and stuff. Um, that was hard. And then also learning how to teach kids like little things like how to read is so hard to teach kids how to read. Yeah. I will remember I was like, wait, you can't say this word. Like, how do I even tell you how to say this word? Like, just say it after I do. And like, no, you got to sound out every letter and then you got to start putting letters together. So I spent a lot of time on YouTube, just like how to teach kids how to read. And that's literally how I learned how to teach the kids. It was crazy. Same with math. Like the, and the kids were at like very different learning levels. Like some of those kids could do math equations. Like it was so easy. So then I had to split the curriculum for the kids and do two separate learning lessons for all the kids every day. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, it took some time. And then there was disciplining, too, because they were I was so outnumbered by them. And, you know, they just did whatever they wanted. And so I was like, I need to find a way to control these children. And so I did like I got like a treasure chest and started a sticker program because they loved stickers. So I just got a ton of stickers. And I was like, if you get a sticker, like whoever has the most wins prizes at the end of the week. And that worked. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. 
I know, but it took a while to get that working because I did not know what I was doing. Yeah. How long were you there? It was a scary time. I was there from February until June, so not even that long. Um, It was just that that long, about four-ish months. So your relationship with God, what is that like during this time where you're out here by yourself? Yeah, that um, really is like the the real reason why I think that I went to Majuro, um, because I was extremely isolated. So my roommates, when I got there, um, were really friendly and nice. Um, and we got along really well. And then um, about two weeks in, I was going to do laundry with one of my roommates and she just stopped talking to me. And I was like, hey girl, like, what's up? Like, how's your day going? Like, whatever, you know, just talking. We're like walking to go do our laundry and stuff. And she put her headphones in and just like ignored me. And there was already like a ton of drama. It just felt like everybody was at odds and against each other. There were like two groups of people and they were all against each other. And I was just trying to make friends with all of them. And that did not go well. Um, But yeah, then my roommates just totally stopped talking to me. And I was like perplexed. I was like, what is going on? Like, why aren't you talking to me? And like my roommate... Um, who I actually shared a bedroom with. She was so cold to me that like I did not even want to like confront her and just ask her like, hey, did something happen? Like what, why aren't we friends anymore? Like everything was fine. And then one day you just started like icing me out. But um, yeah, that then the one girl was just like, no, I mean, nothing really happened. And um, I was just like, well, can we please like get along and like be friends then? Like what the heck? And then after that, never spoke to me again basically neither of them did you and ever then my, find the girl and no no to this day i still have no idea it is still the weirdest thing so it was a very isolating time um in my life which looking back i'm very thankful for but it was difficult too because the time difference at home was so weird and the wi-fi was all weird um i could only call family at certain times and i just after school was over, I had nothing to do. I couldn't really leave the school um, because I it wasn't really like like they just advised us not to go outside of the school's like campus without someone else. So I remember like begging my neighbor girl to go on walks with me and like go to the grocery store with me because I like I didn't want to go alone because I wasn't really allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she she would go with me sometimes, but there were even times when like I had no food and I was like, please go to the grocery store with me. She's like, I think I'll be able to go tomorrow or maybe the next day. And I was like, please, because I'm like, at this point, I'm just like trying to like make sure that there's enough food to last me till like tomorrow. Like, yeah, it was very weird time. But yeah, I mean, in that time though, I was in my loan, in, in my room alone but like it was cool. The apartments were right on the ocean because this island is so small. Like everywhere there's ocean basically. Um, and so I just would sit in my room and I would literally talk to God. And at this point I was reading a book called Moving Mountains um, by John Eldridge. And it's a very, very good book, but it's really all about um, prayer. That was like basically the entire book is about um, praying and communicating with God. And it, uh, and it taught me something that I have never learned before, and that was just listening for his voice. Um, and so I 
was just like it was and it would kind of like give prompting prayers like things you can say to God and ways you can listen for him and so I would do that and there were times when like I just heard so clearly and I would like bubble inside with this joy and excitement when I'd just be by myself in my room and I'd just be talking to him and just like in this just like deep prayer and just like and it just was the happiest times of my life like during some of the hardest times of my life but it was just so cool and like at this point I still didn't really understand but I just was like this is so cool like you are so present with me and just constantly there and like my just genuine source of joy because at that time there was nowhere else I was I would look for it other than him because there really was no other source for it you know like I was just I didn't have friends there I didn't have like I had my students and I loved them to death but when I would go back to my apartment after school was over like it was just me and God um but that was really 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 formative for me it really changed my life forever that's beautiful like some of the stuff you're saying it makes me Emotional, just thinking about God, just talking to you. Well, he's constantly talking, but now you're listening. Yeah. So right from Madro, do you go back to camp? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went from Madro back to Hawaii and, um, and then we went to Molokai this summer actually. And we did another love reality tour, but on Molokai, which is another Island. Um, what was it like to be around people that didn't hate you? Oh my gosh, it was so, like, everything felt so much sweeter, like, during this time, because I, I, like, I would, like, just the littlest things, I'm like, this is the best day of my life, and I was really hanging out with, you know, Casey, Goldring, and Yesenia, uh-huh. like, I was hanging out with them every day for the first two weeks, because there was, like, a little overlap between the time I came back from Madro and be- before we all went to Molokai, there were, like, two weeks, and so me, Casey, and Yesenia just hung out every day. And it was the best. Like two weeks of my life, it was so good. But yeah, Molokai was awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, we were just there together. And we were all just worshiping. And at this point, like things were starting to make sense. Oh, yeah. Another big major thing that happened in Madro. When I first got there and I was like starting to listen to God and his voice, he told me to read Romans 8 every single day. Romans 8. And Yes, Romans 8. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why specifically Romans 8. But I read it every single day, and I did not know what it meant. <laughs> Literally, for like four months, I was reading it, and I'm like, yep, still not making sense. I had like a list in my notes to ask Jonathan when I got to Hawaii that I was like, I need to know the answer to these questions relating to Romans 8. And I remember I was like nervous to talk to Jonathan back then because I was like, I just felt like I didn't know what I was talking about. I wasn't very confident. Um, And so, yeah, I was just like, I remember we were in the car um, driving somewhere on Molokai and I was like, I was like, I was so nervous to ask him. I was like, hey, Jonathan, I have a couple questions for you. Um, It's about Romans 8. And I remember exactly what I had written down. And I was like, what does it mean to not live in the flesh and to live in the spirit? And then he told me some long answer. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't make any (laughs) sense to me. (laughs) I was like, that makes no sense at all. Um, And then we just, you know, he was just kind of like, yeah, I think he could tell I wasn't getting it at all, but, you know, just never stopped trying, which was super cool. But, yeah, it just 
was so hard for me to just understand and make sense of scripture, make sense of something like that, you know, like, what does it mean to not live in the flesh and to live in the spirit? Like, that is a crazy thing to think about. Like, how does, how does that happen? You know? So when Um, it says that those who live in the flesh can't even please God, I think it's like Romans 8, 7. And then Romans mm-hmm. 8, 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit, if, mm-hmm. if you believe. What did you believe about yourself at that point? When you're reading that, like when you're on Madro and you're reading Romans 8 and there's no condemnation for you because the, mm-hmm. the law of the spirit, the life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're just reading it as just words or were you, where were you? Did you know where you were in that chapter? Yeah, yeah. I would read it from beginning to end every single day. And certain times, like certain words would like stick out to me and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Like his love can never, you know, we can never be separated from his love. Like that was Mm -hmm. the biggest thing I held on to. But the rest of it were just words. Yeah, like you said, it was not adding up to me. It was just words, yeah. So you're back on the island. You're asking Jonathan these questions. What what else happens? Um, so we're in Molokai. Um, he's sharing the gospel every night. Um, and we're all talking about it. And it's all really good. But I'm still just like, mm, yep, not adding up yet. And it, was, it wasn't just me. Like, there were, there were other people that it just wasn't clicking for. People had so many questions, including myself. And I remember every night, I'm just like writing down, like, we, everybody would get a Bible and a piece of paper. And I would just cover that paper in words. And I'm like, reading it like it's this math equation and I'm like it doesn't make sense like what does this mean yeah it was just funny I I don't know why I back then like it just didn't click for me and then yeah we'll get there but after Molokai we went to camp Y and I um we all our campers are coming it was super fun just another you know year at summer camp awesome um and worship this summer was definitely um like hitting harder especially after madro and how like present like how much like the presence of god was just so like i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was just then becoming real to me but like communicating with him was this new thing that was just like coming to me very easily and he would even prompt me that whole summer i remember like between me and yesenia and a few other people like he would tell me things like go sit here and you'll see why. And I would go sit somewhere and then Yesenia would come sit here and I'd be like, oh, that's weird. Like, and then we would end up having this really deep, like, really like conversation about like God and all these things and start coming to all these understandings together. But like, it wasn't like the full blown, like we get it moment yet, but it was just like cool how he was like prompting all these different interactions. Like there were even times when he was telling me to read certain things. And then later on, I would be talking to somebody and that exact thing that he told me to read would come into our conversation. And I was like, wow, that's super cool. Like you're like giving me these words of knowledge and, you know, like these things that you want me to share with somebody later on. Like, it's just cool. Like I know that what I'm listening to isn't just made up, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he is, his voice is just so real. Um, but yeah, then as staff worship, we started doing, we would always do different like exercises. Like we would talk for a while and then, um, Jonathan would kind of be like, all right, we're going to go pick something to read and meditate on for like 10 minutes and just like receive that word. And, um, one week we went to, um, James one five and he was like, pray this and seek wisdom 
over, like write down things that you want to seek wisdom over. And like, yeah, James 1, 5 basically says like, ask for wisdom and, you know, receive it. Mm. And so I wrote down all these things that I wanted wisdom over. And um, it was really just like about like Romans 8 majorly. Um, a lot of the things that were said in there that just were not making sense to me. And then um, one major thing that I wrote down was how to um, care about people without my own um, like selfish ambition because mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me. Um, I would like do things for people, but only to look good, mm. you know, like for me to look good. It was just completely always with selfish ambition or always with the thought of, okay, I'm doing this good thing um, so that I will be blessed and God will be proud of me. Like even going to Madra, like part of my motivation was like going to be this awesome missionary who God is just going to be smiling at because I'm doing his work. I'm doing things for him, you know? Um, So yeah, at this point, like even at camp, I would like do something to help someone and I'd be like, yeah, I look good doing this. I'll do it because yeah. And then, um, there was a night and and that was the only way I could think too. Like I couldn't understand what it meant to help somebody without that selfish ambition, you know, like being an altruistic giver. I did, I could not comprehend what that meant. Um, and one night, um, and so I was seeking wisdom over that. Um, and one night it was like 3 a.m. And, you know, campers got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like dead tired. Like, I don't want to take this camper to the bathroom. And um, I was like, all right, go ahead. I'll follow behind you. And normally I would get up to go take a camper to the bathroom and be like, yeah, I'm doing this nice thing, you know, so maybe tomorrow's going to be an extra good day because, you know, God's going to bless me for taking this camper to the bathroom. Um, Not because the camper just needed somebody there to like protect them. That was not how I saw it. But this night um, the camper went and I'm in bed and all of a sudden I was like, what if something's happening to the camper? Like, what if, you know, they get kidnapped or they get attacked by an animal? Just all these bad things started rushing through my head, you know, but like in defense of the camper, like it wasn't about me in this moment. And so I ran out of the cabin and like ran down the rocks and like the camper would didn't get that far without me because I was going to go get the camper like mm-hmm. and go with them to the bathroom. But this point I was like running after the camper and I just like got to them and they were safe. And I was like, all right, we're good. And I went to the bathroom with them and went back to the cabin. And when I got in bed, um, the Holy Spirit was just like, that's what it means to care for somebody like without thinking about yourself. And I was, I was just like in awe. It was so simple. The answer was so simple the whole time, but it just, I could not grasp it. Like he, you know, switched that like mind, he just shifted my mind on that, you know, and that was something like I could not do myself for some reason wouldn't work when I tried to understand it, but he just gave me that wisdom in that moment. And there were other things that he was giving me wisdom on too, that I wrote down on that paper. And like, I didn't even notice though, when I would have like those like switches in my brain, like it would just happen. Like now when I do things for people, like it is not about me. Like, I don't think that way anymore. I just don't like, and it wasn't because I just decided I'm never going to think this way again. Like it just was an old pattern that just died and it died because of Jesus. Like he just 
put it to death and that was done. Like I just never thought that way again. And not even like talking about it, like it's cool because I just haven't thought that way. Like I, when I do things to help people now, like I don't think about myself, you know, it's just, it's totally different. Yeah. Cause yourself is really taken cool. care of. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have to position yourself. Just, no. And it's just not about us either. You know, like, it's just not about me focusing on me. Like that never got me anywhere before. And it's a lot better this way. It's just a lot better this way. But yeah, so that was just something that um, he was giving me wisdom over, but it wasn't until the, I think it was Wednesday of that week. Um, might've been the next day, honestly, I don't remember, but I woke up at like 6.30 in the morning this day. This is the day that I have been praying for and waiting for and really didn't know if it would ever happen. Um, but I woke up one, this morning at like 6.30 and like I was wide awake and the Holy Spirit was like, open up that book that Jonathan gave you to read that you have never opened yet. <laughs> I had not opened this book. And he gave me to read like the first week at camp. It was called um, The Hidden Half of the Gospel. Hmm. It's a really, really good book. But um, yeah, so I opened it up and I read like the first few pages at 6.30 in the morning, which is another thing that just does not happen at summer camp. Like it's pretty rare to wake up with that much energy at that hour when you're like trying to get every last minute of sleep. At least that's how I was. But um, but yeah, I just started reading that book and I was like, that's really cool. Like, I guess we'll see where this comes into play today because that, you know, that was something he was doing was like showing me little things and then bringing it up in conversations and stuff. So, um, and something that was like a common theme was like speaking life to people. That was something that Jonathan would do to people all the time at camp. And I was always just like, wow, that's so cool how he will just speak to somebody's heart and know exactly what they need to hear and how they need to hear it. And like, I just would love to be able to do that with people, but I just didn't have confidence. I didn't have boldness. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't even know like how to think straight and truly understand like what he was saying, you know, when he was saying it or like exactly what the Bible meant when I'd be reading it. Um, but yeah, this day, um, after I woke up earlier, read that little page, um, I went to breakfast with my campers and this was teen week. So I had older girls and I had one of my campers just talking really, really negatively about herself. And she was just talking about how she is so worried about getting bad grades. She was about to start high school and she was just really, really down on herself. And I just remember being like, girl, that is not who you are. Like you are this, this, this. Like I was just calling her out, telling her who she truly was for her true identity as a child of God and like nothing else. And I was like saying all of these things to her. And Richard, I was think like I was, I was not, it did not feel like it was me saying it. Like it felt like it was literally the Holy Spirit speaking through me to this girl. And I was like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, this all makes so much sense. And I'm telling her and then I'm like, like, yeah, I'm like in my head, like, wow, this makes so much sense. Like, this is super cool. And then as soon as the conversation was over, her and the other girl next to me, and I'd known these girls for years because they had been campers for a few years. And they both looked at me and they were like, wow, that was really cool. And I was like, I'm going to go 
um, for a minute. Like, and I just like left and went to the kitchen and I was just like, God, what just happened? Like, I've never had that much confidence and boldness before talking to somebody in my life. Like, what was that? And he was just like, like, it's just like, I just, I didn't know what was going on yet, but he was just not really telling me like what it was Mm -hmm. yet. Um, and so then like the rest of the day went on and (laughs) I remember, like walking out of the kitchen back into the cafeteria and just looking at all the campers and like started tearing up. And I just had this intense urge to like squeeze and hug every single person in that room. And I've never felt that much like overwhelming love for some people, like everybody in my life. And in that moment, I knew exactly why I felt so strongly. And that was because I saw every person in that room for their like true created value, like exactly who God created them as. Like I didn't see them as like anything that like they'd done to me or to somebody else. Like I just saw them like, you know, as like beloved children and like that's something like I've never seen people that way before. I've never seen myself as completely like beautiful and well-made and, you know, just a divine creation, you know, like made after the divine creator. Like, and that was how I saw every single camper staff member. And I was just like, yeah, I was, I was ready to hug everybody in that room. <laughs> it was so cool. But yeah, I still at this point didn't know exactly what was going on yet. As the rest of the day went on, God continued to just show me how he just changed my life forever. Um, And this one day, um, so a lot more happened. um, And after breakfast, I, so Yesenia and I were sharing a cabin this week. um, And she and I had like gotten super close this summer. And the reason we were sharing a cabin was because we both had small cabin groups. And we were like, yo, let's combine cabins and just have a killer cabin where we just get to have worship together. Like me and you, we can bounce off each other and, you know, just like pray together, all of us. And we were just like, we we did it and it was super fun. And so we would go to different activities together because we were both counselors. And usually there's only one counselor per cabin, but me and Yesenia got to do it together, which was obviously God making that happen. It was super cool. So we were basically at the activities with the kids and, um, She went back to the cabin because she was like, something weird is going on. I'm going to go back to the cabin and just spend some time in Secret Place, which Secret Place is something that we were also learning about, which is really just when you spend time with God alone, you know, just completely alone between you and him um, and doesn't need to be known about by anybody else. And um, so, yeah, so she goes back to the cabin just to be alone with God, start reading the Bible. And um, I left one of the activities to go take some girls to the bathroom. And as I'm walking past the cabin on the way back, um, I was like, I wonder if Yesenia's doing okay in there. Like, what is she doing? And then Holy Spirit was like, she's done. You can go inside. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I just walked right in and she's like, no way. I just got done reading. I was like, I know. Like, so what? what's going on? And she's like, well, like, I don't know how to explain it, but I just am reading through Romans right now. And everything that Pastor Jonathan has been talking about just makes complete sense. And she's like, I think I'm free. Like, she's like, I think I'm just free. And I was like, Yesenia, you do not sound crazy because 
I think I'm free too. Like, I don't know what happened to me this morning, but I was speaking life into a camper. I've never talked like that before. I'm seeing everybody differently and I'm like exploding with love. And so me and her just start like screaming. Like we're literally jumping up and down and we're just like, we're free, we're free, oh my gosh. Like, and we just knew, like we were free. Like we were just good. Everything that I was ever confused about made sense. Like it just everything made sense and I'll get into that. But yeah, we were just like rejoicing. We were so excited. And then we went to um back to the activity, which was being led by Drew. You know Drew. Oh, I know Drew. That's my boy. Yeah, Drew's the man. But we went back to the activity and Drew was there. And I was like, hey Drew, like I remember what like cause a couple worships back, Drew gave the worship and he was talking about how with Jesus, like he has the ability to love Miley more because he actually loves her from a love from God, not from a love that he like builds up to like give to her based on like what he gets in return, you know? And he was just talking about how like he can just love her more because he's not loving her based on like what she does or doesn't do, you know, or like how she loves him in return in return he just loves her freely from all of the love the true love that god just freely fills us with and gives to us and um and i was like yo that makes no sense like back when he was saying it during worship a couple days ago i was like i don't get it drew like but whatever like just another thing that doesn't make sense to me like that's normal you know and then when drew was there i was like drew remember what you were saying about loving miley more like i get it now I get and I got it because I was so loved. Like I, in that day, like that love that I had for everybody, like I said, when I looked at everybody and saw them for exactly who they were, like I, they didn't do anything that made me love them that morning. Like it was just the love of God, just like filling my body and my, like just every part of me with his love and light. And that's it. That is it. Like that is all the love I will ever need all the love we were ever made for you know and so yeah I just was like it all makes sense now like that love you love Miley with like it's so good it's so much better than any love that you were you know working with before Hmm. I'm sure in your marriage because I you know I'm not married I wasn't married at the time um but like I knew that like I never loved anybody like that before that day. Like the way I was loving people that day, I've never loved somebody like that. It was always based on like, well, this person is my mom. So yeah, I love her. She's done everything for me. Oh, this person is my best friend. Yeah, of course I love them. I didn't just have this this intense love for everybody, you know? It was just, it was, it was the love of the father, you know? That's yeah. the truest love there is. And it's the love that our, we were made for. Truly. And it's the love that we were made to live from, you know? Absolutely. Do you remember what day that was? What what, what was the date? July 19th, I'm pretty sure. July 19th. And since yeah. that day, July 19, <laughs> 2019. Yeah. yeah, I've never been the same since. That was a Friday. 19th is a Friday. Okay, then it was... um. The 18th, I guess. Which is a Thursday. Yeah. 2019, yeah. That's crazy. Because so much stuff was happening in July of 2019. Yeah, for you? 
Yeah, I think right around that time I preached my first gospel sermon. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So much stuff was going on. Yeah. All over the country, all over the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Camp Wyanite, there was a lot going on. Like there... The, the day before that happened for me and Yusanya, like, was the first time that I witnessed, like, an actual, like, physical experience, like, witness of the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm sure you've probably heard about this. I can tell the story. Sure, go ahead. Um, but it was, it was the day before this happened um, where I just, like, literally just, it, I I just, the Holy Spirit just changed my life so drastically. So it was the day before we're at worship and um, we're basically done with like all the worships and Pastor Jonathan's like, okay, any questions you have for me, like um, just ask them. And I remember there was a time where Jonathan mentioned that he had like a physical experience with the Holy Spirit. So I was like, what did that look like? Like, what does that look like? If you, if it's physical and it's real, like, how does that look? And Mm -hmm. he explained what it looked like, right? And as he's explaining what it looks like, um, my friend there at camp, um, he, it started happening to him. (laughs) Like, literally, as Jonathan's explaining exactly what you would call, like, a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit, um, how it happened for Jonathan, it starts happening for our friend. Um, and so this friend, like just, he's crying and he's just like, uh, Jonathan. And he's like, he, he doesn't even notice, but the rest of us are like, what's going on with this guy? Like he, he was sobbing and we were just weren't sure why, you know? And then, um, yeah, Jonathan didn't even notice that he said something. And then he again is like, Hey, uh, Jonathan, can you pray for me right now? And he's like, yeah, what man, what's going on? He's just like, uh, I think it's happening to me. And like, literally he is like, I have never seen a person shake like this. Like it just was not your regular shake. It was just like a full body, like, I wouldn't say trembling more, just like, like moving, like every single part of him was just like moving and, um, like shaking very intensely. And he's like sobbing and like Jonathan's praying over him and he's just like confessing any, like every lie that he had been believing about himself or just like living in. And, um, and then, um, basically he just starts like, yeah, announcing every lie. Um, and, and then as soon as like Jonathan was done praying over him, like, I remember like, like laughing while this was happening. Like I was experiencing this intense joy and laughter and I was like smiling very hard and my cheeks were like hurting, but I couldn't stop. Like I was so happy in this moment that this was happening for our friend and we were all praying for him too, like in this moment. And um, like other people were crying and just like, it, it, just, it, it was just these extreme emotions and like the whole thing was just very like, like real and very um powerful is the best word to describe it um and our friend is literally gets out of prayer and he's basically like my he said the only thing he could see was light in his entire body filled with light and he just said like 
when he was done, he's like, I am free. Like I am so free. None of what those things that he had named had like any power over him, like none. And he knew that, like he just knew that, like it had no power over him at all. And um, it was just so cool that like we just all witnessed this, this moment and we were all just like in shock kind of, but also like, like we knew what we were experiencing too, like within each of us as like individuals there watching um, and just how the Holy Spirit was moving through all of us. It was very, very wild, but very cool. And then the next day is when I woke up and Romans 8 made perfect sense. Hmm. Perfect sense. Like everything Pastor Jonathan had said clicked in my brain and it made sense. Like, like literally wisdom and understanding like i received it all that day like it was just given to me and like richard there's nothing i could have done to make those things make sense when i had been trying to do that for years going to church at mount vernon reading the bible by myself in college in madro reading romans 8 every day trying to make sense of it like there was nothing i could have done on my own like it was just his time right then and there to just you know, give that complete wisdom and understanding. And um, yeah, I remember um, at lunch that day, um, Yesenia was talking to Jonathan and Drew and I just like ran over there. And like I told you, I was like nervous before when I would talk to Jonathan because mm-hmm. I was like, I better make sure I know what I'm talking about because he's going to question me. He's going to say something and I'm going to say something wrong. <laughs> like I just <laughs> always felt like nervous about it. But this day I was like, we are free. I'm just like shouting and I'm just like talking to him with complete confidence I never had that much confidence before in my life and it was just super cool. And I just remember like just that day, how many people like the Holy Spirit was using me to speak to. It was just person after person after person. And every person I talked to was like, you are not the same person. And I was like, it was just cool. Like it wasn't just me noticing how different I was that day. Um, but a lot of people were just kind of like, yeah, you are not the same person. Just the way that I was talking, you know, it was just, it wasn't me. Like it was, it was God and how he just transformed my mind and my life in that one day. And, um, yeah, it's just been really fun ever since. (laughs) I was just listening to a podcast that I recorded with a girl named Caitlin, which by the time this podcast comes out, that's that one would have been a few, a few mm-hmm. episodes before it, and it's this time in 2019 where Tyler and I just feel like we're going bonkers. We're just mm-hmm. telling. Yeah, this was right before. Yeah, yeah, we're telling everybody. This is right after. So July 2019, this happens for you. August and September is like we had been walking in it, but now we're starting to see the miracles. And yeah. then in <laughs> November, December, January, we're on one. We are just going for it with every single person. And in some ways, we look back at that time as like, man, we said some weird stuff. We probably like, we we yeah. wanted everybody to have this experience that you had and that we had. And mm-hmm. we weren't stewarding it well. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can look at that and you'd be like, man, um, why did why did you guys do it the way you did it? 
But hearing you tell this story about what happened to you, it just makes me so emotional because it's like, when that happens to you, and you know that it's real, and you know that you're different, yeah, you can't help but tell people. You just mm-hmm. want to tell the whole world. You're like, God is real, <laughs> and he lives in me, Yeah, and he's real, yeah. and he can change everything for you. <laughs> and people are looking at you like, what, bro? But it's... It's something like this changes you forever. And mm-hmm. so like you got you get home and we'll wrap up here pretty soon, but you get home and there's just something different about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could not stop talking about it. I couldn't stop talking about Jesus and how good he was and how much he loves every single person. I remember my mom will tell you, I would not shut up. Like she's literally like, she would be like, it's time for me to go to bed and be like, but mom, do you get it yet? Like, do you understand what I'm telling you right now? Like I was coming hard. Like I was just really strong with my mom, I think, because she would really listen. Uh Um, But yeah, I mean, everybody, even my grandma was like, Tata, like, do you understand what like, freedom in Christ really means. And like, I remember like she would like listen to me tell her and she'd be like, oh, that's great for you young kids. I'm so happy for you. I'm like, Tata, this is not like for young kids. This is for everybody. Like this is for everybody. But yeah, I mean, even the flight home, I just remember like, I just wanted to talk to every single person on the plane. And I was even just on the plane and I was sobbing and I was reading through the Bible and I'm just crying. I looked like a crazy woman on this flight and I didn't even care. Like I didn't care what anybody thought. And that was also another thing too that God just kind of like revealed that like it just, it was so much not about me living for myself anymore that like just really, really being concerned about like what people thought about me was just not the case anymore. Like I felt so confident and just free and like who I was and exactly how he made me to be. And yeah, that I just, that time at the airport was so weird for me because any other time I was at the airport, I'm like, Oh, these people are looking at me. I bet they think I'm cute. You know, it was not mm-hmm. weird like that. I was probably thinking, but yeah, I was just at the airport and I'm like, man, all these people are just children of God. Like it just was all about them. And it was such a, freeing experience because I was just not thinking about myself, you know, just thinking about how loved every person is there and how I want them to know that, you know, and it was like, so I would say like before, like this day, like I was just very deceived, you know, like deception was just really what was keeping me from truly understanding, um, to the fullest extent. Um, and this day, like it just, I just, I felt like I could see, um, deception, like for what it was, you know? Um, and I just wanted other people to just not see that anymore. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely said some things that I probably regret back then too, and have learned a lot since then and grown a lot. But yeah, I mean, it's just really cool that like, we get to live our lives now growing every day and just understanding Jesus more and just seeing how he uses our lives and our stories um, to just impact others. And it'll just never stop being amazing. Like every day, you know, just seeing how the Holy Spirit moves, just be like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, like it'll just, it'll never stop 
being as exciting as it was that day. Like truly, it just, it can't. Like it's, it's new every time and it's just as fun. That's why you do this. <laughs> Absolutely. This thing is so wild and so beautiful. And I usually have a question to end it off to be like, what would you tell Erica or old Erica? But I don't even know. What would you tell somebody who wants to understand this thing, who's heard a lot of the podcast, who's read a lot of the Bible verses, maybe even watched some of it on YouTube, and there's something that's still not clicking for them, and they mm-hmm. they want freedom, but they don't know how to get it. What would you mm-hmm. say to somebody who's going through that experience? Yeah. Um, I think I would maybe just ask like what's holding them back, you know, from believing that they already have freedom, you know, and believing what is written about them in the Bible and how God sees them, you know, like, and just see if there's any lies, you know, that need to be uncovered. And, um, and yeah, just speak life to them, you know, and just tell somebody like, this is, what the Bible says about you, you know, Ephesians one, like you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms and you are good. Like you are fully redeemed and loved and seen as good. And that's something that you don't ever have to try to do or receive. It's just what is true about you and what God says is true about you. And if you believe about God or believe in God, then you ought to believe what he says about you because, you know, I'm not making it up. <laughs> it says it right there, you know. That's, yeah. Might just say that. Ephesians 1. Check it out. <laughs> so the audience has not been able to see my face through this whole interview, but for almost two hours outside of you puking in the backyard, my face <laughs> has just been just smiling because this story is so beautiful and you're so good at telling it. And I'm just, I just praise the Lord for your testimony because it is a huge blessing to me and I know it's going to be a blessing to other people. So I just want to thank you for sharing it and I can't wait to meet you in person. Thank you. Thank you. That really means a lot. And I can't wait to meet you too. (laughs) I feel like I I already have really, but I'm excited. Yeah. We'll get together one day. <laughs> for sure. Thanks so but much for thanks coming. Thanks for up. having me. This has been such a blessing. And, you know, honestly, you doing this thing and, you know, interviewing all these people with all their amazing stories to tell has definitely been changing a lot of people's lives. And it's just awesome to be here and get to share this story. So thank you so much for having me. Praise the Lord. Got me singing like glory, yeah. It got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me, uh, and love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel it, freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. 
If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life and let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank mm-hmm. you.